It's Friday the 31st of March. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines, Extinction Rebellion Ireland target JP Morgan, and activists are using the law to demand climate action with the help of UN. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your weekly Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn, and after our IPCC report special last week, we're back with our usual news roundup this week. And as always, I'm joined by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly. How are you both doing? Doing great, Dara. Feeling spring-like this week? <laughs> Me too. I'm jumping all over the place. <laughs> um, great, yeah, me too. Um so before we go any further with anything, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to all our listeners who got in touch or posted about our episode last week. Um, this is something we all do as a passion project. And I can personally say that some weeks it can be one thing too many on my plate. So it really, really meant so much for me. And I think to all of us um, to have people reaching out to show their appreciation for what we do. Yeah, absolutely, Dara. Uh, so it's like sometimes you think you're screaming into the void, but when people come back and say, you know, that was a really good point or really enjoyed that episode, it does mean a lot to us. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, obviously, thanks to the people who continue to contribute to the upkeep of the podcast by sponsoring us on buymeacoffee.com. Yeah, lovely comments again this week. Um, Christine said, thanks for all the work on the podcast. Karina pointed out again that we need um, to be easier to find. So Karina, we're going to be in touch with you about that. Um, Ellen and Katrina, thanks a million. And then Brian from um, TU Dublin said he was listening to our last episode while working to finish the TU Dublin Climate Action Plan and that he's seeing lots of commitment from the leaders in the university to taking serious climate action. So he's very heartened by that. And he said, to quote Kira, we are a great bunch of lads. So thanks for that, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. And it's great to hear of uh, people doing great work in their workplaces. Um, yeah, particularly after last week's episode, because that was heavy. It was really nice hearing the response from everyone this week. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just to restate, though, if you can't sponsor us, but do want to show your appreciation, do just drop us a message on social media or send us an email to climatealarmclock at gmail.com. Um, Oh, and of course, sharing your favorite episode of the podcast with a friend, family member or colleague is just a great way you can support us for free too. All right. Um, showing lots of gratitude uh, so far in this episode. And I think our first story is covering a group of people that I am certainly very grateful for, for the work they're doing. This is something that happened just over a week ago on Thursday of last week, but obviously we weren't doing our news roundup last week. So this feels like a really, really important story to cover. This was um, a protest by Extinction Rebellion Ireland at a JP Morgan Women in Tech event. So let's just have a listen to the full video that they posted on social media. There are no women in tech on a dead planet. JP Morgan is the world's largest banking investor in fossil fuels, and that's despite the UN having told us this month that that is a future incompatible with human survival. There's nothing feminist about destroying the planet. There's no women in tech on a dead planet. Climate change amplifies gender inequality. 
Women already bear the greater burden from rising climate, from heat waves, drought, famine, sea level rise, and irreversible change. Solutions that are possible now will not be possible in the future. We have a rapidly closing window of opportunity and JP Morgan is closing that window. JP Morgan is saying that they're increasing their sustainability, that they're decreasing their reliance on fossil fuels, but it's not true. Last year you had massively increased fossil fuel investment. Don't listen to their greenwashing everyone. Let's all work together on this. Climate justice is women's justice. JP Morgan, how can you say you care about women or equality when you are driving a climate crisis? Women are 14 times more likely to die in natural disasters than men. 80% of people who are displaced by climate change are women. That leads to violence, sexual violence and human trafficking. If you really cared about women's rights, you would divest from fossil fuels now. If you're considering coming to work for JP Morgan, please reconsider. Don't become part of the machinery that is funding climate chaos and driving the destruction of our planet. And for those of you working for JP Morgan, we urge you to please demand that JP Morgan divest from all fossil fuels. Let's join together and stand up as women to demand what is right and what is just for our world. JP Morgan, pick a side, divest now or eco side. JP Morgan, pick a side, divest now or eco side. JP Morgan, pick a side, divest now or climate justice, women's rights, same struggle, same fight. Climate justice, women's rights, same struggle, same fight. Climate justice, women's rights, same struggle, same fight. Isn't that just brilliant uh, i haven't watched that in a few days and it's just so moving i really recommend watching the video as well because there's really good footage of them in the sort of conference or the talk that they've disrupted and it's sort of mixed in with uh footage um from around the world yeah it's fantastic the video is really really good and it got picked up a lot um and it was lovely to see Angela in there from Not Here Not Anywhere who was a guest on this program on this show um, going back to season two I think um, so it's great to see some familiar faces in there standing up for women's rights and for action as well yeah they're so brave I feel so even though I watch I told you guys I, go, I watched this this morning and then I cried and I was like I'm glad because I don't want to react <laughs> but even still like, I'm feeling myself choking up a bit watching them it's just really kind of cool to see people doing that yeah yeah and i think especially in light of the report last week you know we have heard so clearly from the experts that we need rapid action that there is a rapidly closing window to take action and obviously we're not seeing the action that we need and it's just brilliant to see people calling calling this out and calling out the people who are um who are the big polluters? Who are funding fossil fuel companies? Um, speaking truth to power, essentially, it's great to see. Yeah, yeah, and like it might seem like an innocuous event, but I mean, J.P. Morgan Chase is one of the biggest banks in the world, um, one of the biggest banks in the U.S., and they have provided more than three hundred eighty billion dollars in financing for fossil fuel companies. So, yeah, you know, when you hear that, you go, this is <coughs> the impact of what they're doing. And then, you know, the event that they get crashed was an event of going, let's have women in tech. You know, so it's a bit of a greenwashing type event. And I loved their catchphrase around, there are no women in tech on a dead planet. Yeah. You say it's kind of, it, it like 100% is a greenwashing event. Like, it makes me so angry that they're using, <laughs> like, 
us, essentially, to like just cover over the disgusting and damaging and detrimental things that they're doing. Like it makes me really, really angry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a greenwashing event from from the point of, well, I don't know what the equivalent is. It's a women washing event in the sense that they're trying to show that they've got women in technology. So it wasn't about the planet, but the fact that they, I love that Extinction Rebellion combined those two things, women's rights, which, and... The, the, the damage that JP Morgan is doing to the planet because we yeah. know that the damage that's been done affects women around the world more than it affects men and so it kind of showed them up on two levels I think yeah, yeah. and and I think just with any kind of climate action it's always important to highlight that intersectionality uh, to use the fancy term good, good word Dara uh, you know all all social justice issues are linked um and and so if if we do see transformational change, it will improve our lives on loads and loads of levels. Um, so it's really important from that perspective, but also in terms of making, if you can make a social one social justice issue relevant to someone's life, then suddenly it becomes easier to make all the other issues relevant yeah. to people's lives. People start to see the connections. People start to see the real causes of issues. And then hopefully people start to see where they fit in, the role that they can play and the action they yeah. can take. Yeah. yeah, it raises awareness and people go, wait, what? What did JP Morgan do and why? You know, so if any, if, and it got shared so widely, the video that I think it, it just has a, a big impact. It makes people think. I didn't see this video until you guys sent it to me. Where? <laughs> okay, in my climate bubbles, yeah. it got shared very widely. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, yeah. And also, I suppose it shows that no matter what you were doing, no matter where you are, no matter where you are um, working or what communities you were in, there is some way that you can make climate change and climate action relevant to your context. And that's what's really needed. Yeah, that's a really great point. Here, here. We also saw some women taking action in Switzerland this week as well. Um, slightly older demographic. So you young ones think it's all about you. It's not. In Switzerland, more than 2,000 women are taking a case to the European Court of Human Rights. And their average age is 73. I love so, that story. Yeah, they're even older than me. It's great. Um, so <laughs> they are, and they're calling themselves, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know German, but it's Klima Seniorinnen, which is Senior Women for Climate Protection. And they are taking the Swiss government to the European Court of Human Rights over climate change because they're saying that the country's climate policies are putting their health and their human rights at risk. So, um, it's been defeated, the case has been defeated in Switzerland, but they're elevating it now to the European Court of Human Rights. So let's see, this could have big repercussions yeah. for this 46 member states in the European Council. And then it also will be an international precedent. So what's the reception? Like, I love this story. It's such a good follow on from the, the women in, in Dublin. Like, women are just great. I'm sorry, Dara, that you were born <laughs> as a man. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel so proud of these two stories. What has like what has the general reception to? Because obviously you're saying that this could have a knock-on effect for the rest of the EU states. What's the reception? Well, not surprisingly, the Swiss government is fighting it, and eight other governments have also joined the case with the Swiss government. 
And, you know, sad to report that one of the governments that has joined the case is our very own Ireland, which is very disappointing. So this might be something we need to come back to and, you know, lobby the Irish government not to do this. And then not only is um, the Irish government echoing the calls for it to be dismissed, but they're, they're saying, oh, no, states should be left to decide their own climate policies. You know, leave us alone, basically. Um, and as wow. we... <laughs> Yeah, as we know, we have lots of climate policies. We're leading on climate change, but yeah. like, well, don't tell on, us to lead on climate change. <laughs> yeah, we're leading on policies and plans, so leave us alone, you know. So, um, so they are the, the governments are arguing that any um, any prescriptive measures from the court would be an overreach of the court and shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed. Should, they're contesting it pretty heavily. Yeah, so I suppose the whole way that these women are saying that the Swiss government is potentially damaging their health and human rights is by saying that it isn't doing enough on climate protection, that the country's policy is inadequate, that it's not in line with the Paris Agreement, and that if every country responded the same way as Switzerland to the climate crisis, that global warming would hit three degrees. Obviously, if that happens, then there'll be loads of knock-on impacts. Human rights will will be harder to achieve for all people and they identify that women are particularly vulnerable. Um, so that's kind of where they're coming from and then obviously, obviously the big pushback is that they're saying that's an overreach of the law that the government has the agency, should have the agency to, to decide on the policies and that it should be kept out of the legal system. So it'll be a really interesting one to follow the arguments because they're using the European Convention of Human Rights um, and it's the first time one of the leaders of the case has said that it's the first time that a court has to decide on whether climate protection is a human right. So it's a really groundbreaking precedent. And even the fact that it's gotten this far is very positive. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I love one, one of the women said, um, she said, many of them, of the 2000 women, many of them have frail bodies, but their minds are so clear. <laughs> Go I hope she doesn't listen but this reminds me of my mother in like 15 years like that woman is so scary <laughs> any Swiss court would be <laughs> they're like yeah have your human rights whatever yeah. <laughs> so let's hope they scare the court the way your mother would Kira yeah, that's great she's fierce yeah and so so yeah this this I remember hearing about this case a few years back when it was going through the Swiss courts and obviously yeah. it's failed and they've appealed and appealed and appealed but um, it's great that it is yeah, now going to be up in the European Court for Human Rights. And I suppose it's another tool, you know, going back to what I said earlier. We need everyone and we need everything and climate litigation, um, you know, looking at climate inaction, looking at who's responsible, looking at the obligations that polluters have to pay, that kind of thing. Some of that can come through the courts and it is a tool that we need to see being used alongside everything else. It's a very powerful tool. I mean, the law exists. And if climate activists can use the laws to further the aims of the of the climate movement, how powerful is that? Um, yeah. And like we're seeing in New York this week in the, in the United Nations, they are also going to an international court of justice and they're looking for an advisory opinion from the international court of justice on the obligations of states on climate change. They're starting to see it on multiple in multiple directions now. And in that case, more than 100 countries came together to co-sponsor the initiative and it was led by um, 
I can't pronounce this either, Vanuatu, which is a very small Pacific Island nation, and it was led by youth there. So you've got youth bringing that to the UN and you've got the adults bringing it to um, the European court. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant to see that. It really is. Last week, you know, when the IPCC came out, we were like, are we the only ones? (laughs) This is a great reminder that we are not, that there is. There's a lot of action going on out there. A lot of action, yeah. And then in the also on the on the law front in the UK we've got lawyers who are refusing to prosecute climate activists. So if you think about you know they just stop oil a lot of some of those guys have gone to prison and they and the, they've had things where judges have told them not to talk in court and they've said no we're doing this because of climate action and they've yeah. been sent to prison for that. Um, so now you've got leading about 120 leading lawyers in the UK have signed a pledge that they will not prosecute climate activists for those kind of actions because they think the law is wrong and they've been getting a lot of coverage in the UK, a lot of criticism actually from all the usual UK suspects. Um, But again, that's a powerful message to say, no, we're not going to prosecute these people. They shouldn't be in prison. Yeah, and it's once again, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to find a theme here for the week, but it's once again people kind of finding how things are relevant to them, finding finding the relevance to climate action in their careers and their professions, and um, yeah, and really, really doing everything that they can in their power. Can you make an analogy to sum it up? <laughs> I actually, I actually it's don't. It's like when you're the full forward on the. Oh no, that doesn't work. <laughs> it's uh, so it's when all, you're in a soccer match and you score a goal, you're winning. We're winning. Well, we're not. It's just all hands on deck, really, isn't it? That's that's it, Kira. Um, yeah. Uh, what else have we going on before we fall into our usual weirdness? Before we derail. <laughs> Um, well, I think there are kind of two main stories we can uh, we can delve into or round up of the stories we haven't covered uh, this week. And I'm afraid <laughs> now we're back to a bit of our usual uh, doom and gloom, I would say. Whisper it, whisper it, um, So <laughs> in Ireland, uh, there was a story in the Business Post this week about sectoral targets. I will use an analogy, Kira. Uh, seeing as you asked for one. Uh, So you might remember if you were listening to the podcast last year that Ireland had to set its sectoral emissions targets. So it had to decide how much each sector had to cut their emissions by by 2030 to make sure that we reached 50% reductions overall. And they did this thing where they said, well, agriculture needs to cut emissions 25%, electricity 75%, um, transport 50%, etc, etc. But they left unallocated savings of 5 million tonnes. So they basically said, yeah, we need to cut emissions by this much. Everyone, you do that, you do that, you do that. And we've some cuts that we haven't figured out We've figured that yet. out We've figured that out later. So it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like if you're in university and you've got a group project that you have to do and you're saying, right, Kira, you do the introduction... I'll do the I'll do the first bit, Anna, you do the second bit, and then we'll decide on who does the conclusion at the end. Um, and to sort of further out the analogy, it's a really, really lazy group of university students, and they're leaving everything to the last minute because alongside that story, Dara, I'm feeling I'm feeling a, a sense that you might have had that experience in your life. 
It's like, no. I can feel your pain as you talk about that analogy. I, I was actually reflecting, Anna, that the, I think the first chat we had, uh, or was the first thing project. we did together was a group project together. Just to be clear, we got it in on time. <laughs> got, and it was and you, yeah, and, and you were definitely the one who was doing the unallocated savings at the end <laughs> as well. So thanks for that, Anna. Um, <laughs> if, uh, if our lecturers are listening, I swear we did half the work each. Um, but <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, no, but to to spread out that analogy, all the sectors in Ireland, I would say, are kind of university students that are slacking off because this week we saw that um, despite agriculture needing to make cuts, we've actually the CSO have released figures that have shown the cattle numbers have increased by thirty seven thousand in the last twelve months. Sheep numbers have also increased both of them are ruminant animals so contribute methane to the atmosphere i'll take i'll take some positives and say that uh tillage for cereals and for and land for crops fruit and horticulture also rose um i suppose (laughs) that's probably not uh that's probably not really a positive because if everything's rising then it's probably just pushing out space for nature but let's not delve into that too much um and then the other the other area where we've seen really questionable practices this week is another story in the business post about the diesel generators and gas fire fire power plants that data centers have so um so an analysis of documents submitted to the EPA found that all these all these plants together have an energy generation capacity of six over six thousand megawatts, um, which would be enough if they were all powered at the same time would be enough to provide all of Ireland's electricity supply. So while we're talking about you know reducing our electricity emissions converting all the grid to renewables we've got these data centers these huge huge consumers of electricity that whenever there's not enough power from the grid um they'll burn fossil fuels they can just burn fossil fuels yeah yeah and 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 dara like you think about that so the solution to so data centers are a big drain on our national grid so the, and they're reckoned to take up about 30% of the grid capacity by 2030 and we keep expanding them so instead of saying maybe we need fewer data centers maybe we should reduce demand no what we're saying is the data center operators go no it's okay we'll just generate our own fossil fuel electricity so microsoft has an application in to develop its own gas plant in south dublin all of the big data center operators are looking for diesel generation. So, so think about that. You could have power cuts in the country, but meanwhile, the private electricity generation associated with the data centers could still continue to make sure that data centers are running. And while emitting from gas and from diesel. Yeah. This, yeah. Um. So that's more of it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's before yeah. I, I didn't even talk about the sheep. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which are the sheep are not only emitting emissions, but they're also destroying all of the biodiversity in the west and in the hills, and um, because they just eat all around them. 
Respectfully, you guys, I am hearing what you are saying in the news round, but I am not receiving it. I am going to stick with the positive vibes from the first two stories. That's uh, okay. Uh, okay, I feel like you've challenged me now, Kira. The next, uh, <laughs> the next story then is about uh, scientists in Australia that have found um, a cure for climate change. That. Uh, Melting Antarctic, melting Antarctic ice co- is predicted to cause a rapid slowdown of a deep ocean current by 2050. So, I, Dara, gosh. I have to say, this is a one a headline I looked at this week and I said, I'm not going to read that. It makes me worry too much about the North Atlantic drift and Ireland's temperate climate and all that. So I just like, I just can't read that. Anna, that's fine. Yeah, which is which is totally fair. I mean, I think I have seen so much inspiring action that I'm just able to say, look, these scientists are saying that something really disastrous uh, could happen in just 30 years. Um, basically saying that there could be a 40% slowdown of this deep ocean current and this would have huge knock-on effects for uh, global climate in general. So all our, you know, all the different components of the earth system are connected and if one thing is disrupted everything changes um and for me i've been in a positive enough frame of mind this week that you know i've just been able to say well the people who are doing stuff fair play to them they're so justified in doing it it's so necessary all the action that people are taking uh is so necessary it is so backed up by the science so whatever you're doing everyone out there uh keep going we need you and you got to take. Um, great. Have we any other stories in the news roundup? I feel like we need a positive one now to end with. But however, the UK is in the middle of uh, revising <laughs> its its net zero climate strategy, and and <laughs> what it's not going to be positive, Dara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel we need a positive one, but uh, nah. But there, here's another negative one. Um, so yeah, the, U- the UK, which actually was a leader in terms of having a, a climate strategy, is now revising it so that they can as- allow continued drilling in the North Sea. And um, they're going to depend on carbon capture, which is completely unproven to reduce emissions. So it's a bit like Ireland, depending on that little bit of unallocated stuff. They're going to be looking at carbon capture to reduce emissions. So there's been a lot of uproar about that this week as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's finish off with some actions that people can take uh, this week and going forward. Um, A new series. So we were... Mourning the loss of EcoEye, the TV show, um, long-running environmental TV show in Ireland. A few weeks ago, <coughs> a new show started just this week called Food Matters. Looking at food production in Ireland, picking a theme every week. The show this week was looking at soil and how we can look after soil health. They're interviewing experts from all around the country. It's kind of run by GIY and Stop Food Waste and I think Rethink Ireland. Uh, I watched the first episode. It was a lovely watch. So there'll be six episodes. Um, So yeah, something really nice to tune into on a Wednesday evening. Excellent. And then on April 3rd, Friends of the Earth are having a campaign engagement webinar. So if you are itching to take some action and want to know what they are doing, they are going to go over all of their different campaigns and how people can get involved in them. So it's for anyone. You don't have to be a member. You can just join it and find out what's going on. It's April 3rd from 6.30pm till 8pm and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
And my action is, if you would like to lend your support to the 2000 plus Swiss senior women who are taking on their government, you can sign a petition um, that is being run by Greenpeace. And we'd also put the link to that in the show notes. Great. Cool. And we, we'll keep an eye on the Irish government's role in that too and come back to you if we find some actions to take there. Yeah, I'm going to peek in the window of the doll. All right. Well, that is it for this week. And that's it for a couple of weeks. We're taking a couple of weeks off um, for, for the Easter holidays. Yeah. Although we might have a special episode in the middle of all that. Uh, we might indeed stay we might. tuned um, or we might not who knows we're playing hard to get because we're the clown alarm clock we're flirty and 30 <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> why are you not flirty Anna <laughs> <laughs> definitely not 30 <laughs> um, yeah so we will be back in a few weeks with our news roundup maybe some special episodes in between um, but until next time uh, thanks for listening and we'll chat to you all soon Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.